We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name, as always, is Rob Lauder, and I cover the 49ers for all of you guys. Coming off the heels of an ugly, ugly, ugly for a preseason game, that's for sure. An ugly 34-7 to loss at the hands of the Raiders in Las Vegas. There's a lot to unpack here for a preseason game. A lot of anticipation. A lot of uh, overanalyzation, but not exactly what you want to see, even from a preseason game. And we'll get into it. We'll dive into it. Um, but you have to walk the, the, I have to walk that line of, and you guys know how I am, maybe a little boring at times in terms of, oh, come on, Rob, just take a stand, get off the fence. But it, it, you have to take preseason games with a grain of salt, and, and you just have to. There are definitely things that you can look at and analyze in a way that matters, there are things that happen in preseason games that matters. Some of these guys that are out there are fighting for their jobs. But at the same time, there are things that don't matter, especially when it comes to kind of like the full representation of the team and what the team is capable of and what these two teams would look like if they faced each other in the regular season, that sort of thing. But I'm not going to insult your intelligence. You guys know this stuff. Um but just to remind you, if you weren't clear, now I'm not 100% sure on all of these names, but I'm 95% positive that all of the following names did not participate in this preseason game. So I wanted to paint that picture first. And yes, the Raiders definitely had starters sitting out. But just on the 49ers side of the ball, here are the players that were not participating in Sunday afternoon's preseason game against the Raiders. Starting with starting quarterback Brock Purdy, star defensive end Nick Bosa, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings, question mark, Danny Gray, question mark, Trent Williams, and the rest of the starting offensive line, Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, Spencer Burford, and Colton McKivitz. 
Fred Warner, Trey Greenlaw, Eric Armstead, Kyle Juszczyk, Javarius Ward, Diamador Lenore, Drake Jackson, Tashawn Gibson, Talano Hufunga. I believe I even saw I, uh, Oren Burks, backup uh, linebacker back there. And I think I also saw George Odom, backup safety on the sidelines. So there were a ton of players that were not participating in this game. Almost the entire starting lineup, save for a few players here and there. So keep that in mind when you're if you're worried about what the 49ers are going to be capable of doing come this season. Uh, this isn't exactly the represent- representation of that. So just keep in mind with and, and to me that falls into everybody's favorite talk- topic, the quarterback evaluations as well. Like there was just nobody out there that if these quarterbacks were put into the situation where they would need to play, nobody was out there that they would be throwing to, handing it to, or playing behind. So just keep that in mind. It's just a very odd representation of this football team. But again, it's not without its validity. There's still things that you can take from it. You just have to kind of take it with a little bit more salt, a few more grains, if you will. Uh, before I get too far into it, I apologize for not having a podcast last week. Um, the I was planning on doing that about midweek, but uh, my wife had family come into town from Cleveland, Ohio, and one of them it was it was three brothers. They're all like eighteen, twenty, and twenty-two, something along those lines. One of them's moving to China. The others are going to Japan for a long like trip with their family who's meeting them here. And it was essentially kind of our job to show them a good time and to uh, make sure that they had a fun week in town. And so kind of every evening we had something to do. On the evening I was planning on recording, it was awesome. We went to a local place called K1 Racing, which is basically an indoor go-kart place. Um, finished that up with a big family barbecue, played a lot of cornhole, learned a new throw. Uh, I've, um, me and the boys went camping last weekend and we ended up playing cornhole, cornhole through like all hours of the day. And then into the night, they, all these, uh, the three guys that I went camping with, and I'm no camping slouch, prior military. I know how to get down, but I have a much more minimalist approach uh, than these guys. They had every piece of gear you could possibly want, everything to cook with, everything to drink with, everything to wash your hands with, everything to, Everything you could need while camping, these guys had. And so they set up these night lights that are on like a telescoping pole. And we had full on night lighting. It felt like a, a stadium out there. Uh, and we were playing cornhole into the night. So uh, I realized with very little practice, I'm pretty good at cornhole. Not bad at all. I mean, if I'm throwing four bags, I'm expecting two of them to go in type of type of play. Not all. I mean, I'm not consistent yet. But while I was at the family barbecue, one of the uh, one of the other guys there was very good at cornhole, and I just started asking him about his throw because I kind of just flatten the bag out in my hand and give it a throw. And you know, I noticed that a lot of players have spins and they can you know do all this fancy stuff. So I started asking him. So at this family barbecue, I started adjusting my throw, putting putting spin on it, and by the end of the evening, I kind of had it down. So um, I was proud on my proud of myself for making that adjustment, kind of like Trey Lance making these adjustments to his throwing motion, as was I. As was I. Um, But one thing I I really got to break it down for you guys. K1 Racing, indoor go-karts. You guys have heard me talk about Formula One. I'm a big Formula One fan. I played a lot of the Formula One video games with a steering wheel, of course, and pedals. Come on. Like, what kind of show 
do you guys think that I run here? Played a lot of Formula One, watched a lot of Formula One. My family, as I was growing up, had a go-kart track in our backyard. We have like two and a half, three acres. And I think I've told you guys this on the pod. We have two overhead photographs of the property. When it was first bought, and it was basically a huge dirt lot with a little bit of grass in front of the house. And now, when you look at it now, it's all landscaped, all grass, willow trees, all these rocks, landscaping, all this stuff. But the very first thing that my dad did, and it's present in that first photograph when the place was a dirt lot, was the go-kart track. (laughs) And that go-kart track has always been there since I was a kid. So I know my way around a go-kart. And even an indoor go-kart on slicks is no different. And these three guys that, like I said, came in from Cleveland, they were two of them are big Formula One fans. They were just talking smack to each other, as brothers do. And they were confident that they were going to uh, to be faster than me. And I was like, all right, you know, I mean, I outweigh each one of them by like 50 pounds, and that's a huge deal in the go-kart. That alone is going to give me a disadvantage. But I knew I had some, I had some chops. And let me tell you, folks, they were not ready. They were not ready. I was whipping it around them and passing them and lapping them like it was nothing. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I know I'm patting myself on the back. But it was nice to get out there and, uh, and, and represent striking gold on the track. Uh, sets was set in the fast lap by about one to two seconds every session. The only downside was, you know, we had a lot of other family members there, most of them younger kids, like 12, 14, and 16. And um, they had no interest in pressing the throttle all the way down. And I don't blame them. But they also didn't quite know which side of the track to, to get on if somebody's trying to pass them. So the whole time, I never really got to set a true fast lap because I always had traffic in front of me and I didn't want to just plow into them and cause a big scene and just look like some track bully. But I just wanted you guys to know that striking gold was well represented on the lap times, taking gold in both of those sessions. And now we can move on. I think going into this preseason breakdown, I thought maybe it would be important to just offer a little bit of positivity, a little bit of winning before we get into the fact that 49's got their ass whipped 34 to seven. Um, in a preseason game without half the team, but we went over that. All right. The, the topic that probably everybody wants to hear, uh, Trey Lance versus Sam Darnold, the most talked about backup quarterback position in the NFL. Unfortunately, Trey Lance did not look good. I'm not going to mince words. I'm not going to dance around it. He didn't look good. He looked uncomfortable. He looked, um, stiff. He looked tense. And maybe, you know, that's how a quarterback will look when they haven't really played the game in a contact fashion since he broke his ankle in September of 2022. So Trey Lance was uh, was struggling. Not only was he struggling, but he was also under pressure. I believe uh, Next Gen Sports said that Trey Lance was under pressure for 50% of his dropbacks. That's half. And was sacked four times. So... How could you get comfortable in that environment? You couldn't. But even on the plays where Trey Lance wasn't under pressure, he looked uncomfortable, which can happen based on the fact that on the very last snap, you were under pressure. So even your clean pockets don't feel like clean pockets because you're used to them being not clean pockets. But just looked a little awkward. Missed some important throws, some drive extending throws. Um, Was just trying, a lot of times, just looked like he was unwilling to throw the ball. Held on it too long. Well, got sacked. Uh, I mean, so it looked like as if if I were to just throw a general assessment out there, I haven't gone back and watched the game. 
it looked like probably two of the sacks were Trey Lance's fault and two of them were the offensive line's fault. And maybe it's not that simple. Maybe it's more, maybe it's less. But a couple plays where you could tell Trey Lance needed to let the ball rip. He wasn't willing to. A couple throws that would have extended drives. Um, he threw and missed. I think he had one to the left to tight end Ross Dwelly and one over the middle to Charlie Warner, both of which were open. Um, there was another one where uh, he had he also had a Ross Dwelly open on the left, I believe. He kind of had two defenders on either side of him, but this was a throw that was going to be at the sticks. Uh, Ross Dwelly, I believe it was, essentially ran a hitch, and the ball should have been directly on his chest and would have moved the sticks and kept the, the drive going. But Lance, again, just looked timid, looked nervous. Um, uh, albeit understandable for the position he's in. But at the same time, as we can see is evident in Trey Lance's career, his, his whole story, opportunities are so limited in the NFL, and you have to make the most out of every single one of them. And Lance did not do that today. He just looked like, you know, eventually he kind of settled down and he ended up leading the 49ers on a scoring drive. But unfortunately, even that scoring drive ended in one in what was one of two should have been interceptions. I mean, Lance rolled out of the pocket to the left and just fired on camera. During that moment, it looked sweet. Rolled out left, fired it down the middle of the end zone and threw it right to the safety. If he, the safety was a receiver, it would have been an incredibly great throw. Hit him in stride right in the middle of the end zone and he dropped it. Um, the 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 forty nine and what happened was the ball <laughs> tipped up into the air and then was caught by tight end Ross Dwelly for the touchdown. So if there was ever a game where stats don't paint the picture, if you were ever looking for one, it's this one because Lance ended up going ten of fifteen for sixty six percent completion percentage, one hundred and twelve yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, and one hundred and eleven quarterback rating per the box score. That is fantastic, but there are two passes. Passes in there that absolutely should have been interceptions. One of them in the end zone and the misses were just those ugly types of misses. So not a great day for Trey, Uh, but uh, again, I'm not entirely like overreacting to it, but for every bad performance we see from him from here on out, especially when he's competing for that backup job, his stock is tanking lower and lower. I mean, if, if the 49ers, Said after this game, arbitrarily, like, uh, we need to trade Trey Lance. What do you think they could get get for him right now? A fifth rounder? A sixth rounder? For a guy they traded three first round picks to get? You know, exchange three first round picks to get? I mean, that's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow, and it's starting to round the corner towards that kind of bust territory, but he's still got a chance. 49ers have two more preseason games. The best Lance can do right now is earn the backup job. And then we'll see what happens. History tells us that the 49ers are going to need Rock Purdy, Trey Lance, and Sam Darnold this year. Shit, I mean, history tells us they're going to need Brandon Allen too. But all he can do is is focus on winning that backup quarterback job. But today, he did not do that. Um, If anything, he placed himself uh, right behind Sam Darnold in terms of you know, what each quarterback looked like on the field. Sam Darnold got less opportunities, less throws. He was five of eight for 62%, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, threw a nice deep ball uh, down the field to who caught that? Ronnie Bell. He and uh, Ronnie Bell have a nice little connection. More on Bell later. Sound like Grant, don't I? More on him later. He loves that. 
Sam Darnold looked a little bit more con- concise, a little more decisive, a little quicker, uh, just a little cleaner, you know, than Lance did. But again, it wouldn't surprise me at all if in the next preseason game, Lance looks much sharper and much more comfortable. Uh, I mean, he's got to knock the rust off again. First time he's played since, uh, you know, the full contact version of the sport since September of 2022 when he broke his ankle that required two surgeries. So I think that you guys should give him a little bit of leeway, but not too much. I mean, he definitely did not look good. And um, that's not exactly what the 49ers were hoping to see. Just been checking my checking my notes. He, he did have one super sweet play that I liked a lot. Started to run down the field, made it look like he was running down the field right at the line of scrimmage. The, you could see the linebacker, I believe it was, uh, commit to him, and he dumped it right over the top of him to Willie Sneed for the conversion. Just a sweet-looking play. And he had a couple of good throws in there, just an absolute seed down the seam to Chris Conley. Uh, another one right over the middle. I don't remember who it was. It was a dig over the middle, and Lance just fired it in there, and it looked fantastic. Um, but for every great throw, there was a bad throw slash a throw that should have been intercepted. Uh, I went into Sam Darnold a little bit, not, you know, again, didn't play as much. Uh, the 49ers ran the ball a little bit more while Sam Darnold was out there. Uh, just looked a little sharper, looked a little cleaner. Uh, but again, it was less snaps and it was later on in the game in the second half. So who knows what, what the level of competition he was going against. But in my eyes, they're all playing a preseason game. The level of competition usually tends to stay pretty even between the teams. You know, like I do what I would like to know. Because you, you had an entirely backup offensive line against the Raiders. What were they out there with in the beginning defensively? You know, was it their first team defensive line? It sure as hell looked like it because the 49ers offensive line could not hold up in the slightest. And we talked about that. The offensive line was constantly giving up pressure. Like I said, a 50% pressure rate to, against Lance. Um, if we go over to the defensive box score, it looks like minesweeper for the 49ers defense. Uh, you've got um, four sacks. Uh, let's see about quarterback hits. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, then you got tackles for loss. One, two, three, four, five. Then you got passes broken up. One, two, three. Um, one interception. You've got a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. You know, like when you look at a defensive stat sheet on the NFL's official stat website, like you're kind of just looking at numbers scattered around for each player. And there are a lot more numbers for the Raiders defense than that of the 49ers defense. The only person that got a sack for the 49ers was former Raiders defensive end Cleveland Farrell. Um, we'll get, we'll touch on him a little bit later. Um, just a few other things that I've got down on the notes. Uh, you're con- you were constantly watching players fight for yardage behind this 49ers offensive line. Jordan Mason doing Jordan Mason things. Ty Davis price doing Ty Davis price things. Um, who looks, who looks better by the way? just constantly trying to fight their way through this offensive line that really was looked in pretty incapable. Now you're just looking at this, hoping that none of the 49ers starters ever get injured because it didn't look like anybody on that offensive line was capable of really serving as any type of a competent NFL backup. We'll see just the first go at it, but it it was pretty rough looking at that offensive line. Um, another player that looked looked rough was former Falcons cornerback uh, Isaiah Oliver, one of the 49ers free agent additions that was brought in to likely play in the starting nickel corner role. He looked a little lost. He looked a little spun around. He got beat for a touchdown um, in the first half. 
uh, caught his eyes in the backfield and just lost track of a receiver running a simple out route right in front of him and totally lost him. On the other hand, you had Ambry Thomas and Sam Womack, who are also players that could be competing for that same role. Looked pretty good. Both of them at one point came up and run support in consecutive plays, made tackles in the backfield. Just something to take note of. It's it, There's just so much going on in a preseason game. It's hard to tell if somebody when somebody does something great, unless they're kind of like the sole creator of that play, if that makes sense. Uh, what else do I got on the uh, on the notes? 49ers player or 49ers, the 49ers faithful, if you will, uh, showed up well. That looked like a 49ers home game through and through. And yeah, they got worked, but you know, at least the uh, the fans showed up. The fact that it looked like honestly, it looked about eight like 80 20 49ers fans. My little sister took her boyfriend to the game, and it looked like a 49ers home game. So shout out to the fans for showing up. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, my little sister said. That when the 49ers finally scored a touchdown, their one and only touchdown, the place just went nuts. She said it was way louder for the 49ers touchdown than it was for the Raiders scores in their own building. So um, we all know that the 49ers fans like to travel. I just think it's a cool thing to always acknowledge. You know, I just think it, it constantly needs to be acknowledged how impressive that is. Um, if if the backup quarterback competition was the number one thing you wanted to talk about, then what I'm about to mention is probably the second most thing you, I say want, I don't mean that in terms of desire. I mean it in terms of like, get it off your chest because the next thing we got to talk about is the 49ers third round kicker missing two of missing, missing both of his field goal attempts and from what I thought I saw, barely making his extra point attempt. Even that one looked like I believe it was headed left. Jake Moody got two field goal attempts today, one from 40, one from 57. He shanked the 40 to the left and pushed the 57 to the right. If the goal posts were twice as wide or even if you put two goal posts next to each other and then centered them on the field, I still don't think he would have made either kick. They were both pretty bad. Um, and again... Y'all know I'm always pretty level-headed, but I think that this is absolutely something to worry about right out of the get. Just because kicking is such a high-pressure job in the NFL, and it seems like if any position can get into their head and affect their own play, the easiest and the quickest, it's kicker. I mean, so many, it's such a high-pressure situation it's, I mean, obviously the snap has to be good, but it's just you and your leg out there. Like, it's not like, you know, a center snapping to the quarterback, which is you know, then throwing it to a receiver or handing it to a running back, which is blocked up by the offensive line. Like, it's the snap, it's the hold, it's the kick, and that's it. And, you know, obviously they're blocking the players in front of them, but it's, it's just a very alone thing to do. And um, I feel like the pressure on a kicker can mount so much faster than essentially any other position than maybe quarterback. And I think that this is already going to start to affect Jake Moody. He's a young kid. He, I, I hate saying kid because he's, he's technically an adult. It's one of my pet peeves, and here I am. Y'all are rubbing off on me. But he's young, and he's just getting started, and he knows he's a third-round kicker, and he knows that's an early draft slot for a kicker, and everybody's talking about it. And hopefully he does not check social media because everybody's going to be talking about it. And now he's got to try and recover. And and from all intents and purposes, Jake Moody has been aces in practice and has been excellent and has been making 
field goals over 60 yards. I don't know how many of those have been under a pass rush or under any real pressure, but in terms of coming into the game, that was about as bad as a start as you could, as you could get. Um, so I do think this is something worth worrying about. It's definitely something worth watching. Everybody's going to be watching no matter what I say. And the crazy thing is if Moody can't kind of like recover this, you know, this performance over the next two preseason games. I mean, I wouldn't rule out a call to Robbie Gould, who uh, who has already said that he wanted to come back to the 49ers, never extended an officer, an offer. I don't know how that would work. I don't know how awkward it would get. Would the 49ers have two kickers on the roster? Would they find some weird injury to place Jake Moody on injury? I'm getting way, way out of hand here and getting way ahead of myself. But I do, I'm just trying to impress on you all that I do think this is something worth worrying about. It wasn't fair to expect Moody to come in there and just be nails. And he wasn't. He missed them both, and he missed them both bad. Kind of like reminds me of, oh man, I don't remember his name. Chase, was it Chase McLaughlin? Whoever the dude that came in for, I believe, what was an injured Robbie Gould and, made, and kicked that field goal against the Seahawks then was so wide left that it went into the 49ers players tunnel at Levi stadium. I believe that I got the name right on that one. That's what these kicks looked like, like almost that bad. So I think it's something worth worrying about something worth watching moving forward. The 49ers are absolutely hoping Moody uh, figures this shit out because that was, that was not it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, some under uh, some other standouts that I just wanted to make sure I mentioned, and uh, hopefully I'm not forgetting anybody. I mean, I'm looking at the offensive stat sheet. I'm looking at the defensive stat sheet. I'm, I'm thinking I got everybody. Um, first one I've got on there is Ronnie Bell, who was the team's leading receiver in terms of yardage. He had three catches for 58 yards, a 19.3 average. His longest was a 37 yard, uh, a 37 yard dime from Sam Darnold down the sideline. Caught it with his fingertips. Uh, I thought he looked great. I, I thought he, uh, for a brand new rookie, a late round rookie, he looked good and he is fighting for a roster spot. Okay. Cause you've got ahead of him, you've got Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod, who um, was injured. I believe he broke his wrist, broke his hand, broke his wrist somewhere up there. And um, there's an opportunity here. You know, there's an opportunity here for for Bell to get himself onto the uh, 
the 53-man roster despite being a late-round draft pick. So that was a good first start for him. Unfortunately, he also capped that off with a, a drop pass that flew over his head right into the hands of a defender for an interception. So that's going to kind of loom over his big day. Um, but if he would have caught that, it would have been four catches for probably 80 yards. It was about a 20-something yard catch. So um, gr- good day, not great. Obviously has that interception overshadowing him. But uh, for a rookie coming in there, I thought he was pretty impressive. He looked like the 49ers' best pass catcher on the field. And right behind them, him was uh, free agent Chris Conley who caught three uh, passes for 47 yards. He looked pretty solid, too. Um, On the other side of the ball, you had Deshaun Jameson, who is an interesting player. He is more in the conversation as a returner. I believe he got three or four chances to return kicks. Looked pretty good. Let me see if they've got his returns on here. Um, Kick returns. How many did he return? Okay. He returned one kick. And two punts. It uh, doesn't have any yards on the kick return. No, that's a punt return. Excuse me. Um, but he returned two kicks for 37 yards yards, and averaged 18.5 yards return. So it, it was okay. I, I don't know why. From the eye test, it looked good. Those numbers don't really say much. Uh, Ronnie Bell got three returns for 57 yards and a 19-yard average. Um, but Jameson just looked like he had a little wiggle, a little bit of pizzazz to the way that he was returning. So, and those are your probably your two leading, um, those two competing for the returning job with McLeod out. And both of those guys, Jamison and Bell, are both fighting for a roster spot at different positions, one receiver, one corner, and they both might make it. Uh, I just like what they put on tape. Um, I looked good, you know, for, for players that are going to be primarily considered as returners on special teams. I thought they both did well, but. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and watch it, but whatever uh, Jameson was doing looked pretty good. I thought I saw that he fumbled it out of bounds at one point, but I was watching the game with family, and I might have missed that one. But overall, I liked what I saw from both of those players, and I think it's going to be an interesting competition going forward. I also liked what I saw from Ty Davis-Price, who in terms of a per-carry average, he only averaged 3.2 yards per carry, but he looked like he was getting everything he could be doing. He looked more decisive. He looked quicker. He looked a little bit more violent. He looked like he was running how kind of how Jordan Mason runs. Um, Jordan Mason also only averaged 3.4 yards per carry. But again, this was behind a uh, very ineffective onsets of line. So I thought Ty Davis-Price looked well. Um, and my last standout was Cleveland Farrell, former Raiders defensive end. That garnered the only sack of the afternoon. I believe he pushed the offensive tackle out wide, cut back inside, and made the sack. And uh, I believe that was how it happened. But um, the 49ers only sack and only pressure, only quarterback hit of the afternoon came from the Fordham Raiders. And wouldn't that be something if the 40 something, wouldn't that be something if the 49ers took yet another rate of Raiders defensive lineman pass rusher, gave him to Chris Kasurik and produced something out of it. Um, the other being uh, Arden Key. So we'll see. Interesting. Now, I, I, again, there's probably some standouts that I'm missing. I'm looking through here. Nothing nothing too egregious, I don't believe. Um, Jalen Graham, one of the 49ers late-round linebackers, he uh, t- was tied for the lead in tackles with McCrary Ball. At one point, uh, he got flagged for a late hit, but it looked like he was just tackling a live ball carrier that hadn't been downed yet. I mean, maybe they were knocking him for 
going into his head uh, as the guy was getting up. I don't know. It just didn't seem as as sure cut of a penalty as 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 they were referring to it on the TV on the broadcast. So Jalen Graham, you know, tied for the lead in tackles, and then the very next play makes a massive tackle for loss to help kind of stuff that drive out. I'm uh, just looking through here. I don't really think there's necessarily anybody else that needs to be uh, needs to be considered. But for the first time this season, let's get into the mailbag. Let's get into the uh, the takeaway time. Um, I almost forgot to tweet it out, um, but I still tweeted it out anyways. I felt like, man, I'm missing a real opportunity here to just start this season off right on the very first preseason game and just go through the season with a perfect record of always doing takeaway times. So I fired it off anyways, and you you guys did uh, you guys came through plenty of takeaways on here. So let's get into them. I'm going to scroll down to the bottom. We're going to start there, and uh, let's get into your takeaways. And again, after every 49ers game this year, I'm going to fire out a takeaway time tweet. It is your job to reply to that tweet, and I will get to it on the podcast. Anybody who's been listening to Striking Gold knows that I have never let a certain number of replies turn me away. I have to speed up my responses, but I'm going to try and get through every single one of those replies. And right now is no different. Uh, I don't have as many as the regular season, obviously, but I'm just setting you guys up, letting you know that when this regular season kicks off, takeaway time is popping. It is a real part of striking gold. And if you want to be a part of it, be ready for those tweets after the game. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at Rob underscore louder. All right, let's get into it. Oakland Niner. Latou and Moody, the new A.J. Jenkins and Tank Carradine. Oh, man, that's rough. That is a rough comparison right there. But I'm, did, I am glad that you mentioned Cameron Latou, the 49ers' third-round tight end. He has been struggling with drops in training camp, caught one pass, and immediately fumbled it away to set the Raiders up in the red zone, and they immediately scored. So for somebody that's been struggling in training camp, for somebody whose draft selection seemed like a little bit of a reach. Now, again, I don't care much about reaches. All that matters is what the player does when he gets in the league. But for somebody who's been struggling in training camp and then gets out of the game and the first thing he does is fumble the ball, that's rough. That's rough. I'm not going to put anything on Jake Moody yet. Um, but, I mean, shit, if I'm going to bring up Cam Latou's fumble, I've, I've already talked Jake Moody's kicks. But, man, both of those guys had a rough outing. Javon Kinlaw, the worst trade in 49ers history after Lance. Uh, well, I mean, I get what you mean by trade. They didn't trade for Javon Kinlaw. They traded for the 13th slash what ended up being, I believe, the 14th overall pick and then took Kinlaw. So essentially it was a trade, um, but it, it it has not worked out. And he was, he was the only quote-unquote starter that was out there for the defense, I believe, and made almost no impact. So if anything... Uh, at one point, he made a, a pass rush move on a run play and left his gap wide open, and they ran right through it. So, uh, still not great for Kinlaw. 49ers roster from top three to top 20. Again, uh, I mean, in the beginning of the podcast, I went over every player not playing. I don't think this game is a fair indictment of the 49ers roster in any way, shape, or form. Um, look at the list of players not playing from the Raiders and the list of players not playing from the Niners. And they will, there will be a massive talent discrepancy between the quality of players out for the Niners and out for the Raiders. I mean, I read through that list. There's what, like six or seven all pros on that list. So I'm not going to, I'm not ready to flame the 49ers roster yet. Uh, Sean H said, hot take Lance won't be on the team at the end of the year. I don't think that's that hot. I think that 
it wouldn't surprise me. But at the uh, on the other end of that spectrum, is there anybody out there that's going to want Trey Lance? We'll see. Invisible blue checkmark. Trey is a great athlete, has a good arm, good attitude. He cannot read defenses. Couldn't then, can't now. He knew he wouldn't be perfect out there, but I still, still expect it better. The backup role is probably not going to be his. I think that's a fair assessment. I, I do. I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm, I'm not ready to, to not give him the backup role yet, but Sam Darnold did look a little bit better, um, albeit in, in more limited action at a different phase of the game. But I think that's a fair assessment. I don't know that Trey Lance can't read defenses, but he sure as hell looked unsure of himself out there. Um, yeah, it was it was fair to expect better, and uh, it's fair to be critical of Trey Lance. I, I will say that. I don't think that he was he was good in any way. He had a few little sparks in there, but I think it's fair to be critical of him. Uh, Travis Jenkins said, Jair Brown, the 49ers rookie third-round safety, will start. Well, I mean, if he's, if he's starting, who's he starting over? Sean Gibson? Or Talanoa Hufunga. Obviously, I think your answer would be Gibson. But uh, Gibson's job is pretty secure. He was great last year, as was Hufunga. And, um, but, you know, Jair Brown, he's kind of a safety linebacker hybrid, kind of a guy that's capable of playing closer to the line of scrimmage. So maybe he starts in kind of like a weird hybrid role in, in, in some form. Maybe not technically start, but I could see him getting some action. Samson Newstrom, Ambry Thomas had a few big plays. Womack too. Bell was good except the one pass he whiffed through his hands for an interception. Interception. Deshaun Jameson looked good returning as well. Agree with all those, um, which is good for the 49ers. They need good corner death, depth, death, good corner death. Um, Ambry Thomas and Sam Womack being solid would really, really help them out. And it would also get some competition at that nickel role. I do think that Charverius Ward and Diamador Lenore Pretty solid locks. I mean, Trevor Sword, obviously, at the outside corner. So, Amory Thomas and Womack uh, competing. Uh, it's a good thing for the 49ers. And again, I thought Bell looked good, except for that one. Sean Jamison had a little something to him, too. Kev, number, Kev's number one. Trey bounced back numerous times. Good passes, mixed with bad. Overall C grade, in my opinion. I'd go probably like a C minus. Um, so, I'm not too far off of you. You know, D plus if I'm being harsh, um, you know, C plus if I'm being nice. Again, the offensive line did him no favors, but he just he just didn't look like he had it today. The trend number two trenches got worked. Yep, they did. And too many penalties. Yep, there were a lot of penalties on kickoff returns. There were a lot of penalties on punt returns. You list those. Um, there were a lot of penalties. Two times uh, a receiver covered up a tight end. You got an illegal formation penalty. That's just sloppy. That's on Kyle Shanahan and his assistant coaches to clean that up. Uh, so grass, let's go. Jalen Graham looks pretty good. He did. He, he stood out. He's a, he's definitely an athlete. He moves a little bit quicker than everybody else that was on the field at that point. It's one game for Moody. Young kickers are fickle. Be patient. Um, I'll try. I'll try. It's just a lot of pressure comes down to those kickers. Think about how many games the 49ers have won because of kickers over the last, uh, two, three years during their, their deep playoff runs. Uh, Kinlaw is all hype. Yeah, I'm not even sure that's there anymore. Like the hype is gone. It's on empty. Uh, it's up to him to put plays on, on on tape, and he is not doing it. Um, Trey has major warts that he needs to play through. Warts? I've never heard. Um, you mean like you know bumps in the, in the road? But I've never heard him called warts. That's funny. Trey has major warts and he needs to play through. But without an injury, that's not happening in, in SF. It's it's true. 
the one thing Trey Lance needs right now is just reps, 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 live game, play, 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 play. And he's, th- those opportunities just are not going to be there unless he's, like you said, an injury. Very concerned over the interior depth of both lines. I think that's fair as well. The defensive line, let's look, take a look at the overall stats here. Offensively, the 49ers were only able to manage three yards per carry, and we know they gave up pressure like crazy, which included uh, five sacks, four sacks. And then you go to the defensive side of the ball, or let's go to the Raiders. Well, at the same time, the Raiders were over only able to manage 3.4 yards per carry, but for some of those drives, it looks like the Raiders looked like the Raiders were doing whatever they wanted. Not to mention Aiden O'Connell, their one of their quarterbacks, the Raiders quarterback, came in and completed 15 of 18 passes for 83%, 141 yards, and a touchdown. So the the depth on both lines is absolutely something that you should be concerned about. Um, we'll see. Chris, uh, hold on, let me look at this. Theola? Chris Ciola, C-I-U-L-L-A, Ciola. I hope I got that right. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to get that right. We got out of the game fairly healthy. W, and that could be one of the best takeaways on here. Absolutely. The one thing you want to do in a preseason game is get out healthy. 49ers have some bumps and bruises right now. Um, nothing more serious than McLeod's uh, you know, break, which is supposed to be like a three- to four-week injury. So... Or is it an eight-week? Or is it an eight-week? Let me look this up. I don't want to spew any nonsense that I just haven't cleaned up for myself. Ray Ray McLeod. There we go. Ronnie Bell suffers broken wrist to miss two months. So it is eight weeks. Okay. Okay. I'm glad I jumped on here. Thank you, Nick Wagner of ESPN. Good dude. Good luck with your golf game. Let's go. Yeah. Ray Ray McLeod suffers broken wrist, and he's going to miss two months. So... Um, I mean, that's a big opportunity for Ronnie Bell or uh, Sean Jameson. Just Sean Jameson. But again, got out of the game fairly healthy. W. Thank you, Chris. Uncle Lou, everyone sucked. <laughs> uh, I mean, I wouldn't say everybody sucked, but everybody kind of, it seemed like everybody had took their bumps and bruises in terms of what their gameplay looked like. So I feel that. Excuse me. Ryan Del Carlo, both sides of the ball, and don't forget special teams. Okay. Both sides of the ball, and don't forget special teams. What about it? Do you have anything new uh, to contribute to either side of the ball? And I'm not forgetting about special teams. Did they both suck? Were they good? You tell me, Ryan. But all, all we got from Ryan was both sides of the ball, and don't forget special teams. Okay, I will not forget special teams. Clay writes, I'm off the Lance train. I know it's just preseason, but he shouldn't look that lost in year three. I, I, I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, um, it is year three. Keep in mind that year two is basically missed in its entirety because of a broken ankle. And then year one was spent behind Jimmy Garoppolo. And now we know at this point that he suffered a serious broken finger that drastically altered the way he threw. Um, And then when he came in for Jimmy Garoppolo, he injured his knee. Uh, So I'm sure I really have no excuses for Lance, but there's a picture here that paints Something of a, a a really bumpy road for Trey Lance. Uh, some shitty luck, and we'll see. But I do not blame anybody for being off the Lance train. And uh, he did look lost at times, so uh, there's no argument for me there. I just think that maybe he deserves a tiny bit of forgiveness. But mm, is that does the NFL give a shit? I don't think so. 
We've got Drew. Kinlaw was not effective versus backups. Don't want to hear about him anymore. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I think after Kinlaw's career that he's had so far, the 49ers did not pick up his fifth-year option, and he just, uh, after a, a, a healthy training camp um, with some some praise from those who were there, it just, it just hasn't materialized. Ryan J., O-line and D-line both got worked. Darnold outplayed Trey in this game, and Moody better be worth that third-round pick. Ronnie Bell is carving a spot on this team. I like it. I like it. I like it all. Uh, we talked about it, but I, I agree with all of that. I think that that's a, a solid assessment. Michael McVeigh, another friend of the pod. Let's go, Mike. How you doing? That game hurt to watch, but none of the starters played, obviously. Some flashes of nice plays here and there, but nothing consistent. Biggest takeaway for me is I thought our depth was better than this. Hopefully things get better. Good thing is preseason. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I did I did as well. I thought the 49ers, the players they'd signed on the offensive line would put together uh, something a bit more impressive. Not necessarily impressive in and of itself, but more impressive than what we saw. And, uh, you know, the defensive line depth didn't look very capable either. You had Javon Kinlaw out there, the only person who could in any way be labeled a starter, and he was pretty much ineffective. So... Um, hopefully we get more than that and, uh, we'll see it is, it is just preseason, but damn, we're like, we're, we're getting there quick Too fresh. Another friend of the pod, trying not to overact, but man, still thinking about what could have been if Kyle and John just went with Justin Fields, who like everyone thought, no, just went with Justin Fields, like who everyone thought we traded up for regardless, still hoping Trey improves despite knowing Brock has the number one spot. Oh, and Joey Fisher looks decent. What I was hoping, Joey Fisher, the um, undrafted free agent offensive lineman the 49ers added, uh, I didn't see how he does. It's tough to pay attention to, to everybody out there. But if he did look decent, I'm going to take your word for it, of course. You know, the big thing I wanted to see when it comes to Trey was just him look solid. You know, he didn't have to light it up. He just needed to look solid because, again, we don't even know what Brock Purdy is yet. Like, yeah, he came into the regular season, looked great, you know, and won hella games. And the team imploded when he got hurt. So, obviously, he had he had a place on this team. But, like, we don't even know what Brock Purdy is yet. So, you, you need to to root for Trey Lance too, because he needs to look decent because the odds are good. They're going to need him. And he did not look good. So it's just tough to see. But at the same time, you know, you're, you mentioned Justin Fields. And if we're on the topic of stat lines that are deceiving, uh, Justin Fields is also that I think he had like 150 passing yards and two touchdowns, but the throws that he threw traveled like negative seven yards in the air. Now I'm not taking that away from him. If anybody knows, Stat sheets like that, it's 49ers fans and 49ers quarterbacks with Kyle Shanahan working his magic. But yeah, I, I just don't think that Justin Fields necessarily put anything on on tape that was incredible. But again, I get what you're saying. Uh, at least Justin Fields started an entire season and got the reps that Trey Lance needs. You know, it's uh it's just a tough situation. I don't I don't know if Justin Fields would have been better if they would have been swapped. You know, if he sat a year behind Jimmy Garoppolo and then came in, you know, but what if the exact same thing that happened to Trey Lance happened to Justin Fields? We would think the same of Justin Fields. You know what I mean? Like, it's just Trey Lance has had a rough go at it, and that just may be his story. And it's not necessarily the 49ers' fault. It's not Trey's fault. It's just a tough situation that he's going to have to pull off some pretty impressive shit to work his way out of. Uh, Coach Franklin over at Clovis West. How you doing, Coach? 49ers stink without their starters. That they do. Raiders twos aren't much worse than their starters. 
That could be a compliment for their twos or an insult to their starters. Either way, um, Trey was disappointing. Yep, I agree. I agree. Good point, though. Uh, we went over the starters in the beginning of the pod. I, they were they were they're good starters, and they were all out. So I get I get what coach is trying to say. Um, e 49er holics, Jamison or Bell for return duties. I'm leaning Jamison after this one. Again, the stats don't necessarily say that, but from what I saw, I would lean Jamison too. He just seemed to have a much softer feel for it. But again, maybe the reason the stats don't read like that, I just realized it. I think in every one of Jamison's return, there were penalties. So if those take away um, the yardage that he gained or there's no none of that's reflected because of the penalties, then I get it. Um, that that could be the reason why Jamison's returns don't look as impressive as, as what I saw because it did look impressive and, and it looked like immediate. Like people were talking about Jamison as a returner. He got a chance. He got a chance and immediately capitalized on it. Um, so maybe the penalty yardage was really what what got me there, and I didn't realize it. Um, soccer star father, is this on the takeaways? It didn't show up. No, that was okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. That was on a different. That was on a different tweet. But he he said I thought the the line looked good, and it's this dude with like really thick glasses. Uh, I think he's from Trailer Park Boys. I can't remember. All right. Well, thank you for a very successful 2023-2024 debut to Takeaway Time. Like, y'all showed up, and, and I was even late on the tweet. Probably would have done better if I tweeted it out right after the game. I'm sure the replies would have been very uh, reasonable. <laughs> but I appreciate you guys for coming through. I appreciate you guys for listening to the pod. Um, starting here on out, I, I, I my plan was to start last week. But starting here on out, I believe we're going to be two times a week. I'll try and get some more guests in here for you guys. Um, I'm obviously still on the host for a uh, a co-host, but again, I, I'm very picky. You guys know how much I'm about vibes on here, and and you know, kind of the atmosphere and the what do you call it when two people the you know the chemistry. Yeah, it's it's got to be somebody who I feel like I can just get on here and chop it up with without you know it seeming too forced. So. Just admittedly, I'm very picky as who I want to bring in here. So I'm still kind of picking through the options and seeing if I could come up with something that does this pod justice. But anyways, not making excuses. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for being an integral part of this podcast. And thank you for showing up for Takeaway Time. I appreciate you guys. But as you all know, all good things must come to an end. And for another episode, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. And we are signing out.